Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old-fashioned chat. It's a new year on the podcast, and I'd like to introduce you to some changes that we're making to the show. We're excited to introduce our partnership program. This will allow us to showcase more of the leaders, innovators, and organizations who are at the forefront of the economic transformation happening in our city and our province. Take a few minutes and be curious. Visit their websites, check them out on social media, and most importantly, get involved where you can. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with Clear Motive Marketing. Full transparency, folks. I am one of the co-founders of Clear Motive Marketing. I have had the privilege and the amazing opportunity to be involved with my current business partner, Chad Kroger, since 2010. And it has been a fantastic ride and just an amazing, amazing journey. But I'm coming here today not as a co-founder, but as a client. Over a year ago, I brought the idea of the podcast to the team, presented the challenges, presented the opportunity, presented why I was excited about it, and they worked with me to create a plan. We built a strategy, we built the brand, we built the website, and they helped me execute, and they helped me execute day in and day out as we are constantly going live with with new, new episodes. They also were a huge help in building the audience, which can be the most challenging things, whether you're a company, with a product or a service, or just a new idea that you need to get out there. So we've grown organically from over 200 downloads last December to over 2,000 this December, which is an all-time record for the show, something we're really proud of, and I couldn't have done it without the ClearMotive team backing me at every step of the way. They specialize in helping brands that operate in fast-paced, highly competitive industries, which, let's be honest, is, is everyone these days, to deliver more consistently and more effectively day in and day out, something that we all know can be an incredible challenge in marketing with the pace of the always-on mindset. With offices and teams in both Calgary and Toronto, they work to make clients better marketers. So if you need a new website, a new brand, or simply a new efficient way to produce and deliver and get your get your creative and market, and get connected with your customers, give us a call and let's have a good old-fashioned chat. Check out our work and our case studies at www.clearmotive.ca. A warm collisions. YYC welcome to Mr. John Cornish. How are you, John? You're doing very well, thanks. Thanks for having me on, Tyler. It's an absolute pleasure. You and I had the privilege of meeting a couple weeks ago, and obviously your reputation precedes you as a very well-known Calgarian, and it's an honor to chat with you. And I was really excited to hear about, you know, Again, maybe we should give a quick background if anyone um, you want to give give some set, set the tone in case anybody doesn't maybe have had the privilege of know who you are, and then let's get into uh, what you're working on these days because I think it's incredibly important, and I'm excited to give a voice and help share that with our audience. So, you know, who's John Cornish, and what's your connection to Calgary? Short, short, ver- short version, short version, short version. So I uh, I set some records down at University of Kansas, which got me drafted by the Calgary Stampeders. So in 2007, I came to Calgary and I uh, I got to play football. My ultimate goal in sport was to win the Lou Marsh Trophy as Canada's best athlete, which I did with the Calgary Stampeders in 2013. Um, while I was when I won, I had a press conference. During that press conference, I I held it at TD Branch, a branch of TD, um, and I was talking to the media there because I was already working on my next thing which was trying to become an investment advisor. Uh, you know, uh, went through the steps there, retired from football, moved over to uh, the private investment council at TD, got experiences there, went to a small office, and now I'm running my own show at uh, RBC Dominion Securities. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, been a, it's been a fun time, but, uh, you know, after, after my experience on the football field, interacting with the fans, um, giving back to the community through volunteering with the Children's Hospital, uh, Calgary Foundation, Woods Homes. Uh, I understood that, uh, you know, this was, this was my home. Calgary uh, was where I had grown up, really, and I had become a man. And uh, so I, I wanted to give back to this great community here. 
Where, where did you Where did you grow up? Because you, you're Canadian, uh, you were. Well, did you grow up in BC? I think I was doing my professional creeping. Yeah, but okay. uh, you know, I left Vancouver at 17. So, okay. so I went down to university then, and it was just yeah, it's it's now been I've lived more of my life outside of Vancouver than in it. That's funny those moments. I remember because I, I, you know I mentioned to you I grew up in Montreal and I'd lived here since I've been here twenty years. But I remember the time it was probably four or five years after I went back in the summer and I was walking downtown and all of a sudden I was like. I'm not. I'm not from here anymore. I'm a tourist now, and, I'm, and that's the moment I'm like, "Not nah, Calgary's my home." And it was a fun transition, but I, it was awkward all of a sudden. I'm like, "I am not from here anymore." But anyways, like you said, as you move through life, and you know, home is where you build that 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 community around. And Calgary, I don't. I just there's there's really nowhere better to build that mm-hmm. sense of community. It's such a fantastic mm-hmm. environment. Hey, so curious, you made the transition to. Did I read somewhere that your nickname back in the day was Money? Was that is that right? That I that you were always very savvy. That, that I, I thought I read it somewhere that you were always a guy that was you know just talking about that transition from professional athlete into the financial sector. Was that something that was just always a, a secondary thing for you while you were in your athletic career? Yeah. Um. So actually, prior to thinking about sport, really. Uh, like sort of my career goal um, was to, you know, I walked into a passive TD bank with my mom, like literally like, you know, TD was a big, big fixture of my early life. Um, my family didn't have too much money. Uh, you know, my mom, my single parent mom raising five kids, you know, it was a struggle. Power was quite frequently off. Um, you know, so, so it, it was a big thing, money. Um, but I see a, a financial advisor just shaking hands with some some dude, probably just you know, hey, you had to, your money's moving. You're, you got, here's your mortgage or something, um, and that kind of uh, warm feelings, happiness, uh, comfort around money uh, was something I wanted to help people with at a, at a very young age because I, I understood the importance of, of money in in terms of like you know your own happiness. Um, I, at this point, uh, it, that 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 feeling has matured somewhat in that. I don't think you need money for happiness, but to ensure uh, contentment, you have to have a certain base amount of money. Um, so, so that that sort of got me thinking about it. So when I went to college, you know, I was like, "Oh yeah, John, you should do finance." But it was just like, no, like I, I have a feeling that I can get my, you know, my like really finance stuff after. So I think psychology was the place I wanted to focus, like understanding how people thought about money, how people thought about things. And actually, it was it was funny because, you know, when I first started college, um, the idea was that, you know, everybody was a rational actor, nobody made bad calls, you know, that's that. But actually, by the time I was done, behavioral economics had sort of t- swept the world of, of economics and, and finance. Um, so then, you know, I get the chartered financial analyst designation, um, which really puts me in, you know, a very rare company, only uh, like 200,000 people in the world got this accreditation now, one of the hardest exams in the world. Um, but I, I actually took the first one while I was uh, in football. It was a, the only day of football that I asked to have off. Um, and so, so actually that was one of the days where everyone was like, Cornish, what were you doing? Nobody gets the day off football practice. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that peer group, that peer group holds a high degree of accountability with each other too. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But I, I, uh, it was funny because of the day that I found out that I passed, I go in the locker room and guys, I passed my test. Like, what, what you talk about Cornish? We got a game to focus on. What you talk about? Um, <laughs> but I was in position then to sort of like, you know, just start my career when I was, when the, the decision was sort of made for me that I had to retire. I mean, for me personally, uh, you know, I had a concussion um, and, and like it wasn't a bad one. 
but it was enough for me to be like, okay, I think that, I think this is it. I don't want to have some huge history of concussions. Yeah, um, you, you you had that you had that moment of clarity of like, I don't more of this is not going to create the quality of life that yeah. I want down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so I so I chose to retire from football, and honestly, it's just been it's been great because I had that opportunity to transition early on and sort of uh, in the place where a lot of people are still you know they retire from football, still trying to find what they're doing. I'm. I'm sitting back, and you, you know the truth is, I actually manage uh, a few of my uh, f- former uh, teammates. Um, you, you know, and you work with them. Uh, they approached me. It was it was it was, it was nice to have the, those opportunities to work with these guys, continue working with these guys that we won championships with. To be part, to be part, back to well, what I hear loud and clear in everything you're saying. You know, it's easy to think about money as this nameless, faceless kind of like big up the biggest pile I have, and I'm winning. But what I heard from you, very loud and clear, it was the people side. It was the human side. It was helping people to create this quality, which I think parlays starts. To, it just, I always love to just get at that little bit of the backstory to understand clearly how you and I came to meet is the work you're now doing with the Calgary Black Chambers, and obviously something that's really passionate for you. But again, the theme here is helping people is what I'm, is what I'm hearing is the underpinning for all of it. So how did you get involved with the Calgary Black Chambers? And tell us a little bit about like for people that haven't heard of it, what is it all about or what are you guys yeah. doing? I mean, you know, Tyler, you, you talk about background. My mom was a priest. I grew up uh, in working in soup kitchens, giving back in the community hall, uh, you know, like volunteering, giving back your time was just part of the deal. Although I think some of the people I worked with at the church were being paid. I definitely was not as the priest son. Um, so then, uh, you know, during my time in Calgary, you know, like I said, gave back a lot. Um, you know, I think I have over 400 hours um, giving back to the Children's Hospital and Calgary Foundation in terms at, at this point. Um, but I, I did feel that, you know, I was giving all this time to other people. I was giving so much back. Um, but like, you know, it wasn't working towards goals that I had. Um, so, so my wife and I decided to uh, get involved in our own thing, uh, start up our own group. And we're like, you know, what, what should we do? Um, but the truth was, you know, I, I think we mentioned in Calgary, I, we call it sort of monoculture, right? Um, you know, mo- most of the places you go, you go to the Petroleum Club, you go to, uh, you know, the, the all, all the different clubs in town, pretty much. You know, the Glenbo, you know, it's they, they look one way. And, and we felt that... You know, like, where where are all the black people? There's 45,000 black people in Calgary. Where are they at? Because we see one here, we see one there. Like, that, that's that's pretty much it. So, so we decided to maybe try to put something together where we could bring bring black people together. Um, and you may, maybe we could work on something together. And so I basically uh, started uh, running up to people on the street, uh, giving them my business card, trying to exchange at least. And I built a mailing list. And actually, we, in our first in-person meeting... We had 45 people. We all exchanged stories um, of, of our lived experience in Calgary. And that sort of formed the glue of what the Calgary Black Chambers became. And so the Black Chambers from there went on to set our values, scholarship, mentorship, advocacy, fellowship. We got that done. And then we moved uh, to execution. Uh, you know, our first big win was helping kids uh, international students during the transition into the COVID sort of like the COVID regime, let's, let's call it. Um, you know, there's a lot of kids whose parents back home, international students who have to prove their um, financial uh, status, their parents lost their jobs back home. 
So they weren't able to have a job here. So so what what could they do? So so we identified that problem. We fundraised within the group, and we helped uh, those kids uh, with a little bit of money uh, to make, help them through that transition. Um, what what was the what was the timeline, John? Just to back it up a little bit, because I appreciate this is this in my understanding. This has all happened in like fairly recently. Like this hasn't been building up over years. Like when you from the time that you started going, literally walking up to people on the street with the business card. How yeah, long? So how that, long that ago was, was that like to August, that, to that first meeting? September two thousand nineteen. The first meeting was like August uh, October two thousand nineteen. Um, and oh, so so literally, you're going to be just just two years from kind of really starting to get the idea yeah. rolling as we get into the summer. Yeah. Okay. That helps give some context. Yeah. Um, and then with the kids, you know, we, we were interacting with them. Uh, like, we, we had built up a, a list of, of kids working at uh, MRU um, and the Bow Valley College and SAIT. Because um, we had been there at their different events. We, we were already invited and stuff. Um, and then we had we had the opportunity to help these kids. So... But that was like our, our first first big thing, and then we sort of transitioned to sort of building out what we were trying to be. That's awesome. Well, I, I definitely want to get into that a little bit, but I'm, I'm also curious because this part of the show is exposing people to things that they either don't know about or just haven't come across. When you talked about some of those, that, that first meeting with those 45 people and you exchanged stories of your own experience, <clears throat> I had one guest on um, back in the summer and she said, well, you know, Canada's kind of racism with a smile. And it kind of hit me hard, and like that's I'm embarrassed by a statement like that. Being a proud Canadian, so I'm just curious from your own experience being in Calgary, which is known in my mind as a very open, inclusive city. But again, I'm speaking about that from a white male perspective. From your side of it, I guess when you think about our city, like do we have deeper rooted problems? And I, and I don't want to make this negative, but I also want to be honest about there's a lot of people listening. And they're like, no, no, this isn't racist here. There's we don't we don't discriminate. We're good. Is that the case, or is it is there more things that need to be fixed here than maybe than maybe we all want to? Well, Tyler, I'll give you some honesty. Um, you know, I well, during my playing career, I had a white girlfriend, and honestly, the racism. Race, it did not factor into my decision making in the city. Zero, nothing. Did not think about race. I had my my black teammates, uh, you know, my white girlfriend. That that was nothing. Did not. It didn't cross my mind. But then, uh, you know, she goes off to med school. I stay here. You know, we break up. I uh, get an, a new girlfriend, a person who's now uh, become my wife. Um, She's a person of uh, South Asian descent. Uh, she is uh, sick. And all of a sudden, we get eyes when we go places. Like, the way, the way I sort of frame it is that if I go into a, a spot being looking the way I do with a white person, then, you know, John Corsi, football player, you know, like I'll use a Jay-Z quote, he's not white, he's OJ. You know, he's not black, he's OJ. You know, like, he, you, when you raise above yeah. to a certain level, you just get accepted into the group. So I didn't see it. Yep. But the second I bring a, another colored person with me to this, let's say, 99.9% .9 white event, that's when I got the eyes. Like, that's when I recognized that there is people looking at me as not what they are, as different, as other. Um, so that was, that was out of nowhere for me because I had never seen it before, right? Like down in Kansas, uh, you know, percentage wise of black people, like, like you can't be racist. Like if you are like you're, you're over on the farmland, not in the city. Um, so it's, it's, it was a 
life 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 changing event because they're like I had never seen anything like that. But we went to so many events, and then you get to see that the the event representation in Calgary is one of two ways. It's either a colored event or it's a white event. So and I I I did not recognize that even being a thing previously i just thought you know all the events were but it was only once i started bringing my, my wife around that it was just like oh, okay okay so that there is something going on here um there's a reason why you don't see more uh, colored people at these events and just when you say events are those like fundraising events galas uh business events? all, all like, the above again, all, all the above all, all, yeah. The, all yeah okay all, all the above yeah. interesting and interesting, you, I, I never, I, I didn't know the number because I certainly forty five thousand black people in Calgary. I never looked at, I never looked that up to see. And uh, that's that's interesting when you start putting it in context of just sheer percentages. Again, I don't know what's Calgary one point two, one point three million people to be able to try. That's a fairly small percentage when you look at it that way compared to you know even other cities like Vancouver or Montreal or well, Toronto. I actually, I, just actually, to be clear, you guys are Calgary yeah, black. Yeah, I, I would say yeah, but, Calgary go ahead. by itself almost has more black people than a BC. That's really that yeah. blows my mind. <laughs> yeah, I just again, I'm like you. I don't I don't filter the world yeah. that way. I don't think about things and put them in buckets like that. It's just not how I do it. So I just assume it's balanced, but mm. it's but it's not. That's interesting. Well, just to clarify, the Calgary Black Chamber, it's not. You're not just. It sounds. I sounds weird saying it. It's as inclusive. You're not just focusing on black. You're focusing on BIPOC, right? It's uh, Black, Indigenous, people of color. Like, so we talk about it as as an, as an inclusive nature. And I don't want to meet that. Maybe sounds obvious, but I think it's good to clarify as we've got people listening. The the, the Calgary Black Chamber is 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 all Black Chambers is inclusive in a broader. You, you know, the, the objective of the, of the chambers is to help elevate uh, Black people in in the city. But yeah, I don't think that you do that by just focusing on Black people, right? Like, like you, you, you yeah, change the narrative by that. helping all people, right? Our mentorship uh, program is open to all people, right? When we're advocating, we're advocating for change to eliminate that. systemic racism affecting all people, affecting BIPOC people, right? So, so like, you, you know, we're, we're a black-led group. Um, we are focused on sort of scholarships for black students, uh, but we do have scholarships for non-black students, we do have mentorship for non-black students, and we're advocating for all people. So, so it's 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 just, yes, we are a black group. I think it was important in Calgary that we establish something that's black-led, um, but okay. we are here, you know, trying to make the community better, like most other community groups. Well, you'd said something to me on our first call when we chatted about making Calgary the best place for black people yeah. to live in Canada as like a kind of higher order or order goal. And is that just something that, did you guys sit around and come up with that? Or was that just something that you are just, because clearly this is a topic you're passionate about. That's just something that for you is, this is, we need to do this. Like it's not even an option. Yeah. yeah for, for me personally, um, that's always been sort of the idea. Um, but that, that goal, like quite honestly, Tyler, like we have our different committees, uh, our, our, like our, our, currently we have our scholarship, um, our fellowship and our mentorship and our scholar and our, um, advocacy committees. Uh, we, we had strategy session for the board and now we're in strategy sessions for, um, different things within the, um, uh, scholarship and advocacy areas. The advocacy group is, is a bunch of high-powered gentlemen and women, um, lawyers, uh, you know, like we, we got people like left to right, but we've been doing strategy sessions to knock out exactly what, what, what we're focusing on. 
And that's where, you know, making Calgary the best place for black people to live in Canada came from. Because I, I fundamentally think we can make that happen. You know, like, you know, like I said, 45,000 black people, uh, we have that community. We have a tremendous, like 100 community groups of, of, for black people here. Uh, the Calgary Black Chambers is just, we're working to bring them, bring them all together. And then working, create, working that, with that, higher... That rallying point yeah. and, yeah. yeah. So curious, uh, fellowship, mentorship, scholarship, and advocacy. Have you guys, are you guys at the point uh, as an organization, I appreciate you're new and you're devolving, do you have measurable KPIs? Like, do you have things that you, you know, I, I appreciate the higher order benefit of making, mm. you know, Calgary the best place for black people to live. When you fall down under that, do you guys, I guess, certain parameters and like, you know, it's a year from now, how do you look back and say, yes, we were successful as an organization? Yeah. What do you guys So, so some, something like fellowship? Uh, you know, working towards a 900 uh, member goal, we're at 300, right? That's, that's 20. Okay. Um, for advocacy, uh, you know, our primary goals are, you know, like we want to make Calgary the best place for black people to live, but how are we going to do that? Strong being a strong voice for black people. Uh, you know, it, this is a big one for us at black history uh, being taught in our schools because it's a big part of, of Alberta in truth. Uh, and greater black representation on boards. So, you know, ideally we're seeking, like, you know, to change or update 10 different boards uh, in Calgary. And we've actually done, in, in Alberta, we've, we've done three at this point. So we have uh, a, a member of our board on the Alberta University of the Arts. Um, we, we helped nominate the first and, and select and elect uh, the first black bencher for the um, Law Society of Alberta. This was the first black man ever on that in that group. And we have a police commissioner who is a, a member and we like she was recently appointed to that role. So so yes, the black representation, the black history in our schools, um, you know, this is this is something that's sitting on Jason Kenney's desk. Is it going to happen? Uh, you know, our um, the way we're working, uh, like we've had a conversation with Casey Madu uh, the Minister of uh, Diversity and Multiculturalism. Uh, you know, these are these are things we're working towards. A strong voice for Black people. Um, you know that that's something that I believe is uh, something that's earned. Um, being that being that voice. I, I, I appreciate and, that context. And, and I, I think that as long as we're working towards goals, supporting our scholarship and mentorship, we'll eventually move into that role where we, where we are that that mouthpiece. When when somebody has. You know, just like we were this summer, people wanted to talk about uh, George Floyd stuff. We weren't the Black Lives Matter group. We're a group of professionals here. We aren't like I was at a few of the protests this year, but that's not that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to create change through conversations, through sitting down with uh, educators, uh, through sitting down with lawmakers. You, you know, Tyler, one, one of the big things in terms of mentorship, like you know, one of the huge stats StatsCan report came out. It, we we're looking at uh, Calgary actually being really, it's tough to be a black person in Calgary, especially a black kid. You might think 90% of black kids thought they could go to university and succeed, but only 65% thought they could get into university. And that's actually led by teachers and educators streamlining and telling black kids that they couldn't get into university. Like it's, 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 that it's those issues that we're trying to alleviate. I had a conversation in in, in December with all the um, uh, uh, like guidance counselors at 
all of the uh, Calgary Board of Education. There was not a single black one. And they didn't have context to deal with, with black people. During that conversation, I was dealing with people that were telling me that, hey, this, this kid's, you know, he's, he's, on, he's doing this, he's doing that, so he, he can't do well in university. I was like, how are his grades? His grades are good, right? But they, were, they just typecast him because he was, he was doing these other things that, you know, he's like, you know, hanging out with the wrong crew. It's like, what's his grades like? You know, so so seeing the wrong things and ignoring the the cultural context that needs to be taken into account. So, and that's a process. And it's are, are, do you find that in your journey and in your conversations, are people open to learning? Like again, there's I have my cognitive biases, but there's also being open to new information. Do you feel that doors are 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 they opening and doors are people's minds? Let's talk about what we're really talking about here. Are minds open to change? And are you encountering like, hey, you know what? Yeah, I am open to a new way of thinking about this. Or is it or or is it maybe not? Yeah, <laughs> one of the great successes of the chamber so far has been like just being a place where we can share ideas. Because after the George Floyd stuff, people became aware. They they wanted to talk about these things. Hey, you know, I'd never thought about it like this. You know, what, what, what's going on here? So a, as a central location to share ideas, best talking points, uh, you know, I, I think we were able to, to really help out our community, help out the greater community uh, of, of Calgary in, in sort of coming to terms with, with the reality that black people and BIPOC people have faced. Um, but I will say this, uh, after my CTV interview yesterday, we got one email, um, and, and the, the context of this email was basically like, uh, you know, by creating a black group, you guys are anti-white racist. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. That's not what I didn't think. I, I was not expecting the story to go that way, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so like, you know. We have always recognized from the day one, we had a large issue with the naming of this group because some people didn't want to include black. It might offend people's sensibilities. The truth is nobody ever questions the sick organization in town, the Chinese organization in town. People don't question these things. But for black people, because it's always been the case, you have nationalized uh, sort of groups, uh, the Caribbean Association, uh, the Jamaican Association, the Nigerian Association, right? And then you'd lack the united voice. So there's, I don't want to say, like, you know, Caribbean Associations, they all get along. They put on a lot of joint events. But the African ones, Nigerians, you know, they, you know, there's, they, they, you know, have their own sort of uh, approach and, you know, Somalis have a different approach. Um, you know, we are in a place now where we calling ourselves black is important, because if we don't call ourselves black, then we can't unite. We can't be that centralized voice. We are all people of the African diaspora. Uh, wherever we came from, it doesn't matter. You are like what you look like today. I'll, I'll tell you this story, Tyler. Going back to high school, I did not consider myself anything, right? I was, I existed. I knew somebody could call me black. I was my sibling's half brother because I was black. You, you know, it, I always stuck up. Um, but, you know, when I got to grade eight, you know, I was called an Oreo. Black on the outside, white on the inside. Right? And, and you, know, I, that, you know, actually, it's funny because one of my, uh, the guy that actually said that to me is now a member of the Calgary Black Chamber. She's our Vancouver member of the Calgary Black Chambers. Uh, who we're good, still good friends today. But, but that, for me, 
it's sort of it's 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 what I've dealt with my entire life. You aren't. You can say who you are and what you are and stuff, but reality is is that your people can define you from the outside, and, and that's what we have to deal with. Uh, calling ourselves black people just identifies this group that everybody else calls one thing. Because let me tell you, if you're walking down the street and somebody sees a black person, they are going to say, "Oh, that's a Nigerian." There, no, that's a black person. And that's, that, that's the importance of calling ourselves black. And that's, that's why we were able to eventually call ourselves the black chambers. Um, and, and that's why like, it's, it's important because we, we understood there would be antagonism the second you identify as black. It doesn't matter if you're sick or anything like that, but black racism is so deeply ingrained in, in Northwestern culture. Um, that that we needed to do that to be able to have the kind of conversations that we're seeking to have. That willing to yeah, because you're right. If you don't if you don't willing to cause a reaction, it, it's hard to even get into the conversation. Like you said, it can be marginalized. But you guys have created a, a brand and created a way to position it. Just thinking about that alone, in a way that gets noticed. It stands it stands out. Which to your point, if you're going to be able to have a voice, you've got to be first listened mm-hmm. to. And if they don't notice that you exist in other cities in Canada, are there similar groups to this? Did you look to anything yeah. as, as sources of inspiration? Yeah. So for you our, guys? our primary source of inspiration was uh, the Atlanta Black Chambers, which we are like, which directly we're, we're named after. The um, there is a uh, Canadian Black Chamber of Commerce, um, Black North. Uh, Black Opportunity Funds. They're, they're all the sort of national organizations that popped up after um, George Floyd's passing. Uh, we we do like to think of ourselves as as different because we weren't in reaction to George Floyd. We identified um, the issues previous to that, um, and then the the group that um, you know Africa Center in in Edmonton, uh, they they've been established for a while and they're they they've achieved a charity status. Um, we work w- alongside them because they're such a, such a great group, um, and their leadership has changed recently. And I th- I'm expecting good things out of them. And then in, in Toronto, they. Have have the BBPIA, uh, the uh, Black uh, Business and Professionals uh, Group, and they're they're doing the pretty much exactly the same thing we are, like setting up scholarships, working with corporations, um, you, you know. So because we are we a chambers? I mean, we are a group of, of Black professionals. Um, you know, like our our society, we are a society. So our primary objective isn't business. But bringing to fellowship, bringing together the community, working to, to just, you know, bring, like, hey, if you're meeting this person, this person, networking, good things happen. Right, and so that that's- I appreciate what you said about not having your primary focus business, but it sounds like a lot of people that are in your leadership or on your board are all business professionals, yeah. which to me, that feels like a group of people that can also make things happen because they have influence, they have connections, they're, they're part of a community at a, at, a, at a different level. So I appreciate we're not there just for business, but we're full of business people, which is going to allow us all your, ultimately to be more mm-hmm. effective as a group. Absolutely. So from your perspective, when you think about corporate Calgary and we talk about, you know, obviously we've got a huge structural change in our primary industry here in the oil and gas sector. We've got a, a, a you know, a rapid growing and burgeoning tech startup scene. You know, I've had, I've had guests on talk about, well, you know, hey, Calgary, if we don't look more diversified and we don't look like a more culturally balanced city, it's going to be pretty hard to attract talent from the outside of people to come and move here and go, oh, I'm going to be part of this welcoming, open, you know, multi-elite diversified, especially in the tech space, because talent comes from literally all over the world. Are you seeing an openness in your conversations? You talked about with the school board at the corporate level, when you talk about 
you know, Calgary is a city full of boards and people that are actively involved in that. Is there an openness to create diversity? Like if we just go back to bringing more people in so we've got different perspectives in the room, are you guys yeah, having those chats as well? You know, like um, Calgary, because of the business environment, we do have a lot of large national corporations. Like, uh, you know, we got the Deloitte's here, TDs, RBCs. You know, we, we got big companies here and those big companies have had a focus on diversity from day one. Um, so you see the diversity there. Um, but when you get into the midsize uh, and even the large oil and gas companies, um, you know, there isn't that same focus on diversity. So, um, you know, we, we've been working alongside the um, Immigrant Services Calgary. And, you know, like they have an amazing leader. He's a Goldman Sachs guy. Right, like Hyder Hassan, uh, you know, he uh, he decided to step away from banking and actually do some good, and so he became uh, the, the lead. <laughs> I appreciate how you differentiate those two, those two, those two avenues. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, he he's been working in immigrant services. So together, we've put together a, a package. We had a gentleman from India who who had developed this uh, rather extensive diversity, inclusion, equity uh, training for work. Uh, places and uh, you know so we're, we're in the process of um, the Canadianizing that that package um, and then we would have a basically a, a drop droppable just package for companies that are sort of between that 25 and 100 person mark they don't have that dedicated diversity and inclusion officer um, and we would be able to give them this package uh, and help them become a diverse company so we, we've applied for a grant for that and hopefully it comes through and then we'll be moving. I appreciate the how and the roadmap because I've talked to a lot of leaders, you know, sometimes on air, sometimes not, where they're like, hey, I know I have blind spots. I know I need to do things, but I'm a 75-person mm-hmm. organization. Like, I don't have the bandwidth. Or my HR person doesn't have that skill shed and she's already swamped. And, you know, I know it's a bit of a story, so mm-hmm. I'm not excusing anybody. But there is a reality of sometimes it's like, well, just, just tell me what I need to do and I'll try mm-hmm. some things. Because it is a big gap for people to try to make that shift amongst a sea of a million other changes that happen in business mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So yeah, uh, it's, it's it's interesting to hear that there is there is an openness and there is like we're 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 on we're on the path like it's not a it, it and it's not a one it's not a one and done. So for yourself, when you look at this as this is just really getting going for you guys. So we fast forward five years, like what's what's the future state? What's the you know in a perfect world we will create and this will be you know that kind yeah. of a thing. Uh, I mean, ideally, we want to have about twenty scholarships. Uh, you know, we, we want to have a uh, you know like we, we've already been to the places like, you know, we have a board member who is on the Alberta Anti-Racism Commission. You know, we, we, we have our, our hands in the places we want to be, um, affecting change in, in the places we want to be affecting change. But in terms of ultimate objectives, I think the primary thing that I'm thinking about at this point is really just trying to get, you know, Calgary to a place where we're, we're all, you know, just living and, and happy, you know, carding is eliminated. You, you know, uh, you know, like establishing, you know, collection of race-based data in this province. Uh, we want to have strong relationships with the mayor's office, uh, police services, school boards, uh, Alberta Health Services, uh, and we want to be making sure that our um, that black women we're supporting uh, them in what they're trying to do. Um, you know, focusing on getting, like I was saying, the black history in our schools. Uh, black history is a big part of Alberta. Like the some of the first cattle in Alberta were brought here by a black man. But at the same time, 
uh, this black man having that success, finding that success, um, starts to stimulate other black people to come up here from Oklahoma and stuff. Um, but the reaction to that is for Alberta to send a representative down to Oklahoma to tell black people to stop coming because it's too cold here. These, these are stories that the John Ware story needs to be told. We, we have too many uh, things that need to be done in sort of that area. Sorry. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, it, it's, history can be so selective in terms of what we remember and what we retell. And we are a culmination of our stories and, and the things that happened. And some things are embarrassing. Some things are like, oh, I feel shame when I hear a story like that. But unless we, you, you can't fix the secret. And I think there's so much of what we're talking about here is the, well, just, you know, grin and keep going and everything's fine. And we'll just sweep that under the rug. You don't create change with that. And I think that, you know, the world we live in now, so many of those things have been ripped open, like, which causes a, an outcry and a backlash. But that's, I don't, I don't know other way, I don't know any other way for change to really happen. Sometimes it has to be uncomfortable. And being willing to lean in on that, which I hear loud and clear from you, not scared to lean in on what are quote unquote uncomfortable conversations. Because the more you have them, the less uncomfortable they are, right? It's just the basics. Yeah. So, so ultimately, like, we want the chambers to be a place where you know, people look forward to going to the meeting every, every month. You know, you know we, we've been forced to shift online like everybody has. Um, but to be honest, like, you know, Tyler, we would have these meetings and I would talk for like 30 minutes, 45 minutes. And then people would just hang out for like three hours. Like we sh we've shut down the petroleum club multiple times. <laughs> like, like it just it just you get these people, uh, black people together, and it just you have a community, and it's a cross sectional too, right? Like, like I was saying, uh, most of the people are probably associated with their community association, but you're only seeing a, a tiny little subset of people there. So you get to see all these different groups, ideas, thoughts coming across each other. And just great things have happened. And like, you know, uh, we have one of our members, uh, Charles Uji, like, you know, he got elected uh, one of Canada's most influential lawyers as part of a campaign that we were doing. So it's just, you know, when you when you bring these different voices together, uh, all of this, uh, you know, I'm connected to this person, this person. I'm going to get them to come along. You know, the, the word of mouth, like it's just, it's, I, I, I've described it as this, you know, the safest place I've ever been. Yeah, so, so we, we want to get keep those meetings getting bigger and bigger just because they're like an amazing time and we get, we get things done. <laughs> no, nothing more powerful than a sense, a sense of community and people feeling that they belong and that they're part, they're part of something. So um, you guys obviously got a lot of initiatives on the go and you shared a lot of them today, but you have, uh, I think it's the Black Achievement Awards coming up in the very near future. We're, we're going to sneak this episode out as quick as we can just so that gets on people's radar. So maybe tell us a little bit about the Black yeah, Achievement Awards. So as part of our mission to elevate uh, you know, black culture in the city, I, I thought it was super important that we bring attention to, to the best of us. You know, the, the people having that that level of success in the city that you know we all like all people can aspire to uh, there's currently 10 categories um it, it, with highlights being uh, you know youth achievement lifetime achievement stem medical law like you know that we're trying to cover the whole gamut but I, i'm really excited for our our um potential nominees in the law and and the lifetime achievement space because you know these are people that have worked and worked and worked in calgary and sometimes they've been the only person working um and to to bring them the the recognition that they deserve i think is super important well, and I, you, you, you can, it's hard to imagine what you can't see sometimes. So when you show success and you elevate that and you share that to other people, the art of the possible, like you said about, well, these, you know, 65% of these individuals, uh, 
only felt it like so 35% felt that they couldn't go to university but you see a whole bunch of people being successful that look like you and are, are all of a sudden the art of what's possible in your mind shifts so I love that you're you're, you're creating real, real tangible examples with real people that do real stuff in our city and there's nothing better than yeah, that so, I think so, yeah. lead by example showing by example is always so, so we, effective we have a week a monthly speaker series and we had Donovan Bailey on for me and we talk about you know seeing somebody that's successful that looks like you you know, I go back to uh, my elementary school days. Um, you know, like, oh, yeah, Canada's top athlete, Mario Lemieux, Canada's top athlete, Wayne Gretzky, right? It's like, oh, great. Like, you know, like these guys are great, but they, they don't really look like me. Then I see Donovan Bailey win the Lou Marsh Trophy. And that, for me, was like, I can do that. Uh, he did it, so I could do it. When you see somebody uh, having that level of success, and, like, it just, you have that commonality, you know, you, you're visually similar. Like, you know, like, <laughs> I ain't got the hair. Like, like, Absolutely. It, it, no matter how you self-identify, when you look at someone, I know I love what you said about you saw someone walk down the street. Like, that's a black person. I, I And th so you being able to see that as a younger adult, yeah. that's huge. And so you guys doing that and creating that through all different. And so, hey, um, do you guys get involved in athletics at all? Because obviously yeah, that's so your background. We have, uh, for you. We have a, a, an award for um, that for that space this year um you know technically uh, we have a lot of people that are involved in athletics so much so that we we don't necessarily need to get directly involved in that now with that said um we are working along the the, the caribbean association used to put on an event during the summer i'd say used to it's still gonna happen next year but uh like it's yes. <laughs> just as it when, when it does happen we, we, uh and it, we, we we all know the crazy yeah. times we're living and, in and we, they had a hundred people hundred kids show up at the last one but we're, we're trying to to get this even bigger it, it just as a pure sports day with um professional athletes in attendance um you know, hopefully That's we can awesome. get some hockey players um but yeah so you're definitely see the the hot the football players and stuff come out and just uh supporting the community helping them well i imagine you i imagine john you can make a few calls and pull a few strings and make some things happen yeah I, I, that might be possible within the realm of possibility yeah, I, I, definitely imagine. I, I would i would i'd put i'd put my money on it um, so what's uh, so best way to find out? Best way to learn? You know, the whole goal of today was really expose people to something amazing that was going on in our city, and 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 understand that we are on. It's a journey, and that we're on it. And there's groups of people that are really pushing forward. So how do people get involved if they want to either have you come and speak, like uh, white people, black people, yeah. anyone from any different perspective? How what's the best way for them to connect with you guys and, yeah, and learn? So more? so uh, you know you can check out CalgaryBlackChambers.ca. Uh, you can reach out to us CalgaryBlackChambers at gmail.com. Uh, you know, if you're thinking about nominating somebody for the Black Achievement Awards, you have until the January 22nd to get your nomination in. To nominate somebody, you need your personal information and you need their contact information. Without their contact information, can't nominate. Um, and so, so we're just looking forward to uh, seeing, you know, we have 300 nominees already. It's going to be a lot of work. Like we, we talk about this being the Calgary Black Chamber being a volunteer organization. Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to be putting in a lot of volunteer time over the next little bit uh, to make sure we... That's fantastic success to even have 300. I've got guys, anyone, guys, gals, anyone who's thinking about it, don't hesitate. It's really easy. I've nominated someone. I'm, a friend of mine's nominated a couple of people. Like it's, There's no barrier to do it, so don't think that you have to do a bunch of work. It's really easy to nominate someone that you believe deserves it. But just to hear that you got 300 nominations. This is your first one, right? This, this is one, You yeah. haven't done this before? Action speaks louder like than I mentioned, words, right? we, are, we actually only have 300 people on our mailing list. 
Um, and we've kept it pretty low key. Like we, we want people to know about it. We wanted people to hear about what we're doing. But the, the reality is like, you know, as a smaller uh, fledgling, uh, you know, organization, you know, our manpower, th- th- those are things are something we don't have in, in a lot of excess. Um, but to just be at this point already without really getting all this media going, like this last week has been the only week that we've really had the media going. It's, it's, it's incredible. And, and I'm I'm so looking forward to honoring these people. Like I some 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 of the names really stick out for sure. And I'm look very okay, much looking awesome. forward to. I'm looking, uh, I'm look, I'm looking to honoring forward to these it. guys. And will you guys be publishing that? I'm assuming you'll be putting it out to the world. Yeah. If like because obviously you'll be yeah, holding so, a virtual so it's actually gala. Be, I'm assuming, uh, obviously with it. Um, potentially Facebook Live, but definitely a YouTube Live event. So so Excellent. yeah, it'll, it'll be accessible to all people and we'll be uh, getting the links out and, and all that kind of stuff uh, coming up after we get the nominations. As much as I do miss going in a room and being with other humans, I do think that technology has, has reduced the barrier to access. Like now anybody can attend. There's mm-hmm. no reason to just jump on. Even if you go for 20 minutes and experience something, I think that there's, that, again, I choose to see the mm-hmm. silver lining out of COVID, but the inclusivity and the barrier and the reduction of the barrier to entry for people to participate in things with online, I, I think that I choose to see that as a, as a positive mm-hmm. for inclusion. Mm-hmm. I, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of good, great organizations working towards those goals. And I'm, I'm happy that the chambers is working alongside uh, all these different groups in Calgary to make Calgary a, a safer, more inclusive, more equitable space for all of us. Well said, John. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it at that. You wrapped, you wrapped that very nicely, sir. Thank you so much for your time today, the hard work and the effort that you guys are putting in. And just thanks for sharing. I always appreciate anyone taking the time to come on the show. And th- Tyler, thank you for uh, doing the, the work that you've been doing and, and congratulations on the success of your show. Thank you, th- th- thank you very much. I'm, I feel privileged because I get to talk to cool people all the time. It's, a, it's, my, it's my secret. I would do it if nobody listened. <laughs> thank you, John. Thanks. So.